This episode of Above and Beyond is sponsored by Compassion International. To sponsor a child today, simply visit Compassion.com slash above. Cairo, Seattle. We're moving into the fourth quarter of Above and Beyond, season number one. Can you believe it? This is already episode number 13 of what will be 15 episodes in this very first season of Above and Beyond. And I can't I can't thank Compassion enough for their partnership in this. I can't thank so many of you. I know in season two, when this comes about, you're going to hear some amazing stories of what this has done to my life, to new relationships, to conversations, to some moments where I've just been in tears, both in humility and in just kind of exhortation, celebrating what this podcast has done in my life and relationships and James Boy Howdy and my producer and just walking through this journey that... I think when we entered it nine months ago, I don't think we could have ever imagined it would unfold the way that it has here, but it's been a remarkable journey. It's been his journey, and that's been a prayer of ours all the way along. I've also learned an awful lot through so many of these episodes, and I really took to heart the last episode where Nancy Cahill, the chaplain of the Seattle Storm and the WNBA, didn't challenge me, but encouraged me to try to reach out to somebody walking their journey today. Not like many of these, and even myself that can look back at 41 and, and see some of the wisdom and counsel and, and, and how the Lord really shaped me over the last couple decades. Not Tony Dungy or John Kitna or Matt Hasselback or other coaches and players that have been there and done it. Steve Largent, and I would add to that list, Alvin Davis. But someone that's in it right now. You know, Alvin and Steve, myself to a degree, I have an opportunity to look in the rearview mirror <laughs> and see that guy way back then that was very different than he is today. And I think Nancy's counsel to talk to an athlete today is wise because they're not looking through the rearview mirror. They're right in the windshield of life and culture and especially a professional athlete playing in the NFL like Tyler Lockett is, at 24 years of age, and what he faces in his journey, in his faith journey, the things thrown his way that he deals with the temptation in a locker room, the money, the fame, the fortune, the hype, all of those things are smack dab right in his face. And I think Tyler would be the first to tell you, he doesn't have it all figured out. And some of the choices and the decisions and in his walk and his journey is different from mine at 24 and different from mine and yours at 40 or 50 or 60 or whenever you're ingesting this podcast. But there was wisdom in reaching out to somebody that is walking that battle and walking that life today. And I'll tell you what else it did, catching up with somebody that is in that front seat and in the windshield of life right now. It brought me back to many of the conversations I had in my college years, in my professional years, with so many teammates that came from so many different places, with so many different influences, both spiritually and culturally, that were so different than mine, and having conversations sitting in a locker room and talking about, well, things you're going to hear in this podcast, like my virginity and handling relationships and handling finances and how handling fame and fortune and everything that's thrown on you. And most of my teammates handled it very differently than me. And frankly, Tyler handles some of these choices differently than me. But it brought me back and it reminded me of the opportunity that we do have through faith and sports and the intersection of them to learn and to grow and to encourage and to dig into so much of that relationship. This is vulnerable. <laughs> this is going to be in your face in some ways. 
And this is raw in who Tyler Lockett is today. I really hope you enjoy this journey as much as I did. So Tyler, let's start here. Your faith story begins where? Well, it depends. Are we talking about when I first started trying to live for God or when I had to go to church? <laughs> well, let's do let's do uh, let's do a little bit of both. Uh, to talk to me about when you had to go to church. You know, there was a point in time where I had to go to church. You know, I was an altar boy. And so um, I didn't really feel like doing that a lot of the times on Sundays. But sometimes I had to go. And I mean, you know, I don't know if everybody knows what it means to be an altar boy, but no, um, it's pretty interesting. You know, it, I mean, once you're in it, you know, it's kind of cool, but it's the hard part is just getting up and having to be able to go there. But, you know, it goes from being able to hold the Bible up, you know, for um, the not sometimes the deacon. And it goes to like being able to carry the cross or the candles or ringing the bells. And it's, it's a lot of the same stuff each week. Okay. And was that homegrown? Was that encouraged by the family to be a part of that? Or how did you come into being an altar boy? Well, that's where my that's where my great grandma went to church at. And so I lived with her and my great grandpa so my whole life. And so that's where she went to church. And so that's where my aunt went to church. And so that's where we used to go. And then my mom ended up sometime when I was probably going to high school that she ended up going to like a non-denomination church. And then that's when um, she tried to start getting me to go. Mm. Take me into that dynamic of great grandma and grandpa raising you, how to or, or living with them. How did that come into being? Uh, my mom just had me, <laughs> and then I just ended up living with them. And okay. My mom went to Texas, and my dad was in college, and so I just lived with them my whole life. And um, I didn't really know they were my great grandparents. I thought they were just my grandparents, but everybody had each other at so young. Is that's why people think my mom is my sister. Wow. And they think, you know, my mom's mom is my mom. But everybody had each other so young, it's hard to tell. How did that shape you, Tyler? Um, Just as a kid in that upbringing, how did that, as you now can look back a little bit in your young 20s, and you still look like you're very young. But as you look back, how did that shape your life? Uh, I mean, I thought it helped me out a lot. I mean, I've never been the one to complain. You know, I was always, I'm that type of person that adapts to anything. And so... If you put me in a place where I have to live with people I don't even know, you know, I'll make it work and I'll make it worth their while to where they enjoy me being around and enjoy living with them. But, you know, I thought it was pretty cool to be able to live with my grandparents and to be able to just be raised by them as well as my mom and dad at the same time. You know, they were just off doing other things. But, you know, my mom came back and started living with us in the house. And, you know, when she came back, it was as if nothing, you know, it was as if she was always there. You know, it was just I was with my grandma and grandpa the whole entire time. And so, I mean, I enjoyed it, you know, and especially my grandma and grandpa, my dad's side, you know, they were always there with me at my games as well. So it was pretty cool to be able to start off with your grandparents. Was there some wisdom? You hear the term old soul. Man, he's an old soul. Was there some wisdom to be gained by growing up with a generation or two ahead? No, I mean, I was pretty spoiled, so I mean, I could do whatever I want, so I could stay up late, didn't have bedtime, I could play the video games, I could kind of do whatever I wanted to, and it was pretty cool, you know, but um, I mean, even when my mom came, I was still kind of the same way, but I mean, you know, I was never a bad kid, you know, for the most part, so they trusted me in a lot of the things that I did, and 
you know, I was born in a sports family, so we we I was always sitting around sports and everything. And so, I mean, it wasn't like they really just had to teach me a lot of life lessons because mm-hmm. I rarely got in trouble. Mm-hmm. But when I did get in trouble, then, you know, they tried to teach me. So how old was mom when she had you? Uh, 17. She was 17. So then you, you, a lot of you shaping your altar boy days as far as your faith goes. Your altar boy days was because of great grandma and grandpa? Yep. And it was so, almost a four. What, what, how did you characterize that when you were forced to versus when you chose to? Well, I mean, you know, I don't think a lot of kids like going to church. So you hide yourself in a bathroom, fake sick, try to figure out different ways and not go. But, I mean, eventually, you know, you end up having to go. And then, you know, my mom went to the non-denominational church. And um, she, you know, it was a youth pastor there that she thought was pretty cool. And she wanted me to go to kind of learn, you know, about God through him and stuff. And so every time he came up with analogies and things to fit his story and what he was trying to get us to know, I always tried to get him to be wrong. Interesting. Was that from a competitive standpoint? Yeah, I just like trying to make people wrong, even if it seems like they're about to be right. But, you know, the way that he did his analogies was it could go either way. And so if you try to make it like he was wrong in this statement, then it was used for a a whole different meaning behind it. So it's all based off of how certain people was to answer the questions he had. As you look back, Tyler, when did it come and when did that evolution go from having to go to church to taking it on and some ownership on your shoulders? I'd probably say, you know, I enjoyed going my junior year. You know, I started going to this thing called So Fly where it was a lot of people that was just like us, you know, my age and everything, who decided to go, and we ended up listening to this dude named Michael Todd talk. And, I mean, it was pretty cool. He was saying a lot of deep stuff and everything. But that was more when I just started being able to listen more and just trying to see, you know, what was going on and learn. But sometimes, you know, the thing is, you know, um, everything that he said was so cool, and I really enjoyed it. But it was like when you're at the beginning stage of trying to learn what it's like to live for God and stuff, you take everything so literal. Mm. And so even though there was a lot of great things that could be taken out of every message that he said, you know, there were things because I didn't want to mess up anymore, you know, to where if he said something about, well, you know, you're not going to find your girl in a club, you know, that's automatically what you think. You know, and then I'll say, you know, when they say you spend more time on Twitter and Instagram than you do reading, you know, it's kind of like, well, I'm not supposed to be on that longer than I read or, you know, just different things. You know, you don't you don't worship as long as, you know, as much as you listen to other music or whatever the case may be. And so sometimes you start to become too literal to where you don't know how long you're supposed to do it. And so you just start putting yourself like in a box to do certain things. Yeah, I think I've heard the term legalistic. You know, the, the people would say, boy, you become real rigid real legalistic because you're just trying to follow this set of rules in some ways like almost old testament like you're just trying to follow these set of laws and you're not getting it that it's not about you following the rigidity of that it's about what your heart is doing so mm-hmm. as your heart is growing as your heart is softening when would you say you really accepted christ into your heart well i mean i would say that i accepted him you know when i started really trying to live for him and stuff because you know i ended up getting baptized again i believe um my senior year I want to say and so I mean but the thing that I started to learn is that even though I took everything so literal that they spoke about it allowed me what I did was you know I kind of put myself in a box Mm -hmm. but putting myself in a box was actually a good thing it wasn't a bad thing like people would think even though some people try to make things based off of rules and stuff you know I kind of looked at God as if he was like a parent you know so if you do something you know you're not supposed to do then the person is mad at you 
And so you just don't talk to them to the next day because, you know, when you wake up the next day, everybody going to be good. And so, you know, you just kind of wait. And so that's what I kind of did. And, you know, sometimes when I would go party, you know, and have a good time, it was just kind of like, well, I know you're mad. I'll talk to you tomorrow, guy. You know, but then I started realizing like a lot of the places that I went to was where I've reached a lot of other people, you know, because usually when people are drunk, they tell the truth. <laughs> and so I had a lot of people tell me like, hey, man, I look up to you. You know, I really enjoy you. You know, thank you for, you know, being able to open up about your faith and all that type of stuff. And it was like, you know, I was so close minded about being open and doing a lot of things because I didn't want to put myself in a position to get in trouble. But where I go to a kickback where people drink and listen to music and have a good time, you know, a dude force tries to get me to drink. And I tell him no, and then he texts me the next day and asks why, and I tell him, you know, because I'm trying to live for God or whatever, and though I know I can do it, I just don't want to drink. And he was like, man, I'm trying to, like, do that and blah, blah, blah. And so it was like a lot of the places and the things that I've heard, it was just kind of, like, mind-blowing that there are exceptions to where, you know, I met a guy who was in a choir at Kansas State, and it was actually Junction City, and he said that he met his girl in the club. And so it was just kind of like, well, you know, you can say certain things, but it's not going to be like that for everybody. And so when I started actually learning that, you know, I started getting out of my box because when I first went to college, I was kind of antisocial. I didn't really talk a lot or anything like that. But the more and more throughout my four years at college, each year opened me up to being more available and more open to be able to do things, knowing that, you know, don't look at God as like he's a parent or don't look at it like he's always going to be mad when you do certain things because regardless of whatever it is that you do, you know, sometimes that's that's something that could be useful to help other people. But also the bad places where people consider like you're not supposed to go because you'll lose yourself. I was actually finding myself because I was able to see how like important it was for me to stay on the track that I was doing because other people were seeing it. How public was your faith in college? I really don't think about, like, publicizing, you know, sure. my, my faith and stuff. But, I mean, I post it. I talk about it. You know, I give them the glory in, the, in, in almost everything that I do um, with sports or with life or anything in general. But, you know, it's not like something just so everybody could be able to see it, you know. And I'm the type of person to where I'll be honest about anything and not even care what people think you know i really don't care what people think you know i look at how people try to treat tim tebow you know whenever he was a christian and people was i think i saw something where there was like money being offered to the first woman to get to, to take his virginity and it was just kind of like wow like is it this serious but it's like you know people are waiting for you to mess up when you put yourself on a pedestal to be able to you know represent christ in the way that we all try to represent him and, you know, the type of person that I am, I'm like, look, you know, if they put me on a pedestal, they put me on a pedestal, but I'm never the one to come up here and say that I got it all together. I'm perfect. I'm the type of person who becomes like other people, you know, just to be able to relate to them, you know, so I might do things that other people do to be able to relate to them and to talk to them and to open up and sh talk about things that other people don't really talk about to where they can be able to say, you know what, you know, he he has this type of mindset that I have where he see he gets where I'm coming from because you can't help people unless you really get where they're coming from. Tyler, where does that come from when you said you don't really care what people think? You're going to live out your faith. It's not a public. It's not a private. Just who you are. 
Where did that originate from? I don't know. I think I just kind of been like that because, you know, people compare me to the legacy of my dad and uncle. And so, I mean, you have people who say, you know, oh, he's too slow. He's not going to be able to be fast enough to be in a Big 12 or he's too small or, you know, all that type of stuff. But, you know, what I realized was, you know, if I do my part, God is going to do his part. And he always does his part. So the question is, what am I, you know, am I going to bring my part to the table and, you know, do it? And so, I mean, even when I was at Kansas State, I mean, I, I've never cared about people who say, oh, he, he, you know, he's this or he's that or he acts like he's this and he's really, you know, like this behind closed doors. I mean, I've always pretty much been the same. And, you know, I'm re- like I said, I'm real honest. And I realize that everybody's going to have their opinion and everybody's going to feel some type of way towards you. And, I mean, it was even like that, you know, when people read the Bible and they read about Jesus, it's like everybody had their own point of views or own perspectives or opinions, but the people who really knew who Jesus was was the people who hung around him and finally got the chance to see what he was about and and just, you know, and whether they were the people who he did miracles for or the people who was there watching. But even the ones watching still came out with a different story or a different, you know, thing that they wanted to be able to talk about in a bad way. And so, I mean, that's how I look at it. Like, people can say what they want to say about me, but until they actually, like, are around me or to the, or unless they actually talk to me, they'll realize the type of person that I really am. But if you listen to everybody from the outside, then, I mean, everybody can relate to Jesus when they say, well, what do people say about me? How is it being single in the NFL? Uh, I love it. <laughs> like, I think either way, I would love it. I mean... If I was taken, I would love it. If I was single, I would love it. I think, well, for me in my position, I'm not obligated to anybody. So I don't have to ask them if I can go to Miami or to Houston or overseas. I can just go do what I want to do. If I say I feel like going to Vegas, I'll buy my flight and go to Vegas. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I'm not obligated to anything or anybody, which is pretty cool because you get to really enjoy your life. And, I mean, sometimes I see relationships that – last with my friends and stuff and it's kind of like man you know it's pretty cool you found your girl you know you got somebody that you can kick it with enjoy yourself with have a great time and y'all could grow together you know even have kids together because some of my friends already have kids and one of my friends just proposed you know Mm -hmm. not too long ago and so it was pretty cool to be able to see that and see like you know when somebody else finds love it's like you know i'm gonna get that one day i know i will But at the same time, it's like you got to be able to watch everybody's motives and intentions because not everybody has that same feeling about you. You know, some people want you because of where you're at and some people want you because they look at it like it's a a male ticket out, you know, and then if you get married and then y'all get a divorce, she gets half. So now you got to talk to a girl about a prenup and all that type of stuff. And so it's like a lot of things that you got to look at because just because she look good doesn't mean that. That's what you want because you want to you want to make sure you find somebody for your heart. But at the same time, being single, you know, you meet a lot of people and you get to see what you like. You know, you get to see that. See, okay, this person has this type of um, things about her than that person. But I like the way that she I like her mindset, you know, but the way that this person carries herself and her appearance is so beautiful. I don't like how this person does this or how this person takes care of these problems. But it's like you start learning some of the things that you like and what you want to be able to see in a woman. And sometimes it might be lonely because you go home to a house that's empty while other players get to come back and see their families after Mm -hmm. the games. But, I mean, it's all in God's timing. And so I don't really trip over 
you know, not being able to have a girlfriend or anything like that because I'm not going to force it. I'm going to just chill and enjoy myself. Is the temptation real in the NFL? I mean, it's real, but, I mean, I don't really struggle with the temptation because, I mean, I'm waiting until I'm married anyway, so it's not like it, it doesn't matter oh, come if it's on. You Beyonce. Wait until you're married? Come on. Yeah, I mean, if it was Beyonce in front of me, I'd still say no. Like, <laughs> I just don't struggle in the area of having yeah. sex because I haven't had sex before, so yeah. obviously I'm not going to struggle. So, I mean, if, if a girl, you know, comes at me or whatever, you know, I'm just like tell her no. You know, like, have I been in situations where I could have did stuff? Yeah, plenty of times. But, you know, sometimes I'd be like, well, I'm going to see how far I can go. And then I know how to stop. I have great self-control. <laughs> so, I mean, there's things that I do. And, I mean, I open up to my teammates about it. They all know I'm a virgin. What do they stuff, say? And they, I mean, they don't really trip. They know I'm a virgin. But they'd be like, I just don't get it. And, I mean, it's, but, I mean, I just have a good time and laugh. And, I mean, usually you have to be able to figure out who you can be able to do that with and have a good time with without people trying to yeah. like quote unquote judge you based off of saying stuff but like i said if they judge me based off of the stuff that i say i'm i'm really not gonna care i'm like a kid but at the same time like i like to talk about things that not too many people will really talk about or even go down within a discussion so like even if why you, why, why, why do you why do you like to do that um because like sometimes i just like to see like what else is out there expand the minds or whether or not it's true you know whether it's true or not you know it's just the fact of being able to talk about it because the things that i've you know dealt with as far as not understanding the true reasoning behind our faith and how we're supposed to live went behind people not really being tr like truly open to their testimony you know you just say oh i used to smoke or oh i used to drink or you know people say you know they were gay or whatever and it's like some people don't really go all the way deep into it. And some people are sitting there stuck because they feel like, well, I did this and it said you'd be put to death in the, in the Old Testament. So obviously I should live the way I want. It's like people are like struggling with that. And they have like they have their own mindset about how how certain things work or how they feel. But unless you tap in and figure out first why they feel like that, you're not going to be able to help them. Tyler, it's really refreshing how real you have been through this, and you like real. You find it refreshing. Is there been a story, it's someone's story in your life, a testimony that has really impacted you, that, is, that has been powerful and real in your life? I would say the first time I really heard like a testimony that just moved me was probably like two weeks ago. Because like... I mean, you really hear the same thing over and over again. And, like, it didn't hit me until I went back home probably two weeks ago or whatever, and I was listening to this woman, and, I mean, she was just, just talking and saying how it was. And, like, for her, she was like, you know, she graduated, she had no job, she went to jail, like all this stuff, you know, got out. She said when she was in jail, a woman was like, you know, kind of like I see God in you and stuff like that. And then she ended up talking about how, like, some point in her story you know um with a lot of the stuff she's been through the pastor at the church reverend potter wanted her to come speak at the church and so she didn't know how she was gonna get there because she lived in stillwater which was probably like a good 45 minutes you know away from tulsa and so um she didn't have a job so she didn't really have any money or anything and so she and her car needed gas and so she was like cheering and so happy the fact that somebody gave her $20 mm -hmm. just so she can get gas and go down there. 
And it was like to some people, you know, especially like people that's in my situation to be like $20, like you jumping up and down for $20. But it's like, you know, when you go home and you hear like stories, like, I mean, even as simple as that, like $20 changing a person's life and whole outlook. And they're looking at God like he's an amazing guy. Mm -hmm. And then you got people went on in the NFL where conversations is I'm trying to get a second country. I'm trying to get 30 million or 40 million. It's like. These are the problems that we deal with as NFL players, but yeah. people back home are happy to get $20. Like, So, I mean, things like that are the things that move me. But I just think sometimes people are scared to be able to re be honest and real about what they've gone through and dealt with because they're scared that other people would judge them. Because there's only there's, it seems like there's only some things that people in the church have accepted for you to say. But there's other things that you don't know if you can say or not. And so you don't want to say it and then be looked down upon like for me, you know, I'm just the type of person where I really don't care. Like I just be like, look, this is how people look at me now, you know, and if I can't say certain things in church, then fine, I'll do my own seminars or fine, I'll do like, you know, certain things. Cause there was a time when I first got here, you know, I didn't really go to church. I went to church like a lot at Kansas State. But when I got here, I didn't really go to church a lot. And I went to like Judah's church, the city church, like once or twice. But I haven't really gone. But it was like with me not going, you know, it was like, you know, I had to start trying to teach myself and everything, which I don't mind going to church. But then you got to deal with people who see you at church that know you. And then all of a sudden they want to talk to you and introduce you to their family and their kids and all of that type of stuff. And, you know, I'm the type of person where I'm like, I just want to go learn and go home. But like now, because the position that you're in, it's hard to go places without people knowing you, especially if you just want to learn about God. And so I just kind of stopped going. But that doesn't eliminate me not being able to go watch online and stuff. You know, I could do that, but I haven't. But it's just like now, you know, when I came here, you know, I'm able to like talk to people and get to see their perspectives and really get to see what they're like and stuff, because. I don't know. There's just some things about seeing where people are at in life that just like turns everything around for them to where it's like if I go out with them versus if I don't go out with them, they might be like, oh, he's he's just acting like he's too good to be around, blah, blah, blah. But when you just hang around them and you don't even talk to them about God, you just be around them, have a good time, blah, blah, blah. It's like eventually, you know, they'll start learning and seeing the things that you do and what you're about. And eventually it'll start coming together. But like I said, change doesn't happen in, in an hour or in a week or a month. You know, change takes time. Talk to me about Christmas Eve. <clears throat> Talk to me about the injury that you endured and what that moment was like and how it fits into your faith story. Talk to me about Christmas Eve. <clears throat> Talk to me about the injury that you endured and what that moment was like and how it fits into your faith story. Um, well, we want to be honest. I knew I was going to get hurt. So <laughs> people, I only tell like four or five people that. I mean, mm -hmm. I knew I was going to get hurt. It told, um, Something told me that right before the game. So mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, that's cool. And so I was like, if I get hurt, I'm going out with a bang. And then... I was like, nah, let me rebuke that. And I was like, I ain't about to, see, I ain't about to get hurt. So then when I went out there to like warm up and everything, I was like, it, everything felt like it was my last, my last day to live. And so I was just looking around and stuff like, 
oh, I appreciate this. Like, I'm really happy about being able to warm up with my friends and my teammates. Like, it really felt like it was the last day for me to live. Like, <laughs> it was weird. Huh. And so I was just enjoying everything for the last time. Then I went out there and played. I was playing pretty good. And then when I broke my leg, I was like, dang. I was like, this is the thing that was, you know, that was told to me in the car. Mm. But I wasn't really mad or anything. I was like, you know, I was like, well, I said I always trusted you. I was like, when I was hurt before, you know, it didn't hurt me. You know, just because I got hurt, you know, it took me to another place to overcome. And I've always did great. You know, I was like, I hurt my wrist you know, and played the whole basketball season with it broke and won state championship, you know, and I was like, hurt my shoulder in high school, my junior year, didn't get it fixed and repaired to my senior year in college and got it fixed in February, didn't really do nothing in the off season or nothing because I had to wait for it, came back, barely participated in camp because my hamstring, but I had the best season of my life my senior year. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I never really questioned anything when I got hurt with this, you know, I was just kind of like, it allows me to be able to help people who are at the lowest point as me. So when I'm at the hospital and people are traumatized, it's like, you know, why feel sorry about myself when I could bring everybody that's low like me back up to where they feel good about themselves. And so, I mean, getting hurt lets you see the bigger picture, but at the same time, it's not about football and it's not about contracts and it's not about how much play time you get and stuff like that. And you realize that because if an injury like that was to end your career, then none of that stuff would have mattered. You would have been like, I wasted my time <laughs> thinking about all that type of stuff. What's next for Tyler Lockett? I don't know. I can't tell the future, but I just know that I'm going to enjoy my life and I'm going to have fun and I'm going to just take it a day at a time, you know, and I know what I can do and I know what I can't do. And um, I'm excited to see what's next for me. You know, I'm going to have my foundation set up to where – I'm going to be able to run that and everything. Um, I'm still trying to figure out if I want to get an event planner or not because I like planning my own events. But, you know, people say, well, it's difficult. You're going to, like, stress yourself out. But a lot of the events and stuff that I do, I just need one person, and that's me. If this podcast is the intersection of faith and sports, how does your life intersect in those ways? With faith and sports? I mean, you know, the Bible says in everything that you do, make sure you do it for the glory of God. So in everything I do, you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm doing it for him. You know, I only played football in the first place for him. Like, I didn't really want to play football. I just played for him to use as a platform, and it got me this far. And so, you know, because I never wanted to be famous, never wanted to, like, do any of that stuff. But I accepted it because I knew it was going to come. And I know that more is going to come as well. And so I'm just like preparing myself, knowing that my struggles, my weaknesses, my strengths, the good days, bad days, injuries, non-injuries, whatever it is, I realize that all of that is for a time and a place. And it's not just for me to be stuck. Sometimes when you're stuck, you try to figure out why you're stuck. But sometimes you're stuck because you need to continue to stay stuck so you can help somebody else that's mm -hmm. stuck later down the road. Mm -hmm. So if I struggle in certain parts of my life, whether it's like reading or whether it's like giving God time or whether it's like even like watching porn or something or whether it's like whatever the case might be in a lot of areas that you can talk about and do. It's like if you're stuck at a certain situation and it seems like you can't overcome it, there's something that you got to get from it. And there and there's something that you got to like learn from, because if somebody's addicted to somebody else, maybe there's a time and place where you have to be addicted in an area 
to where you can be able to truly help somebody that's addicted because you can't help somebody if you've never been in it. Mm. Unless you can listen real good and put yourself in their position, then you can help them. Last thing for you, because I know you got to run as well, is for that Christian that's heard this and is listening to this, like, man, that Tyler is bold. That Tyler is just willing to put it out there. That Tyler is really willing to live both some of the good and the bad and the ugly of his life and his story out there. How would you encourage them to also, likewise, live in such a way? I mean, I would just encourage them to live as if it was their last days because when you're about to die, you don't care about what people think, like what they say about you now. You know, you try to, you know, mend relationships. And so I would tell the last thing I would say is bad days aren't bad days unless you make them a bad day because everybody needs a bad day to be able to bring out the best in them the next day. If great things happen to you in your life all the time, you couldn't appreciate it the way you wanted to. That's why you say you never miss a good thing until it's gone. As soon as something is gone and taken away from you, that's when you appreciate it the most. And so, like, I never knew how much walking was a privilege until I got hurt. But when you finally get hurt and you're on crutches and stuff, you start to see the bigger picture and you start to really appreciate being able to walk, being able to jump, being able to run. But at the same time, injuries bring out things in you that great plays and great games could never do because it takes you to a place where you have to be strong mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and all those things. And so I would tell the person, you need bad days just as much as you need good days. Good days are more so confidence builders, but bad days shows yourself how far you come in your confidence. How strong is your confidence? How strong is your belief in yourself? Because if you drop every single ball, what, what does that mean? If you catch every single ball, you're going to feel on top of the world. But if you drop every single ball, how strong are you mentally in your confidence to be able to, to say, you know, that's not going to affect me and you keep playing. And so you need bad days to allow you to be in the same place that you're at just as much as you need great days. I can't tell you how many times I just smile through this opportunity to sit down with Tyler because it really does. It, it brings me back. And I always hope, whether I'm 40, I'm 50, or however long the Lord is going to use me here on this earth, that I can have conversations with those that are decades younger than me. And it will bring me back to my life experiences. It will help me understand their challenges, how they're attacking culture today, how they're attacking so much of the things that they are bombarded with of this world. And just as Tyler loves to run really fast on a football field, and he's an amazing kick and punt returner, and he's got speed galore. I can't wait to watch him run into the next experiences and relationships and the people in his life that will continue to influence and shape him just as you know, this 40 minutes or so shaped me. 